Hello and welcome to episode two of the Sports Historians podcast. I'm Justin. This is Joseph. And we are recording live from my bedroom and uh, very excited to bring episode two to you. Today we are covering the 2009 NFL season. I mean, there's like a poster Muhammad Ali in here, so (laughs) Russell's over there, Wrigley's over there. It's, there's a lot of sports memorabilia in this room. I agree. Um, but Some high school football <laughs> thing of past over there. Got half a helmet up on the wall. Half a helmet. How generous. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I, I treasure that thing. Memories of lost state championship games. Anyways, uh, that is beside the point. We're very excited to bring this season to you. Uh, This is the 2009 season. The New Orleans Saints defeat the Indianapolis Colts to win the Super Bowl in 2009. And Joseph, before we get started, I just want to run this by you. I believe, after having went back and researched this season, that the Who, the band The Who, they are responsible for the New Orleans Saints winning the Super Bowl. How? You go back. Or who should I... (laughs) The Who plays the halftime show, right? The most famous play of that Super Bowl, one of the most famous plays of Super Bowl history, is the onside kick that the Saints run to start the second half. The Colts fumble the onside kick, the Saints recover the onside kick, and use that momentum to come from behind and win in the second half. Why did the Colts fumble? Because it was so smoky. Because the Who used a Because of the barbecue? or <laughs> Yeah, it was the, it was the concessions. No, the, the Who had all these Concession. fireworks in their halftime show. Oh. And so Anthony Gonzalez couldn't see the ball, fumbles at the Saints recover, and really, Sean Payton's not the genius here, but the Who is. Well, actually, I think the genius who discovered the Who, they're the real ones to blame. Or that, him or her. Or her. It could have been, could have been a female. Back in the 60s, I guess, right? <laughs> yes, all the female record execs in the yeah. 60s. Uh, so Pete Townsend, he really deserves the uh, Lombardi Trophy. I think we've established that, okay. and we can move on. Um, is he got to give him more stuff? I guess. Yeah, yeah. right. Because he doesn't have credit for enough things. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I just want to start off with Joseph. What is it that you do? You remember anything specifically from this season? Uh, two thousand nine. I remember Peyton Manning being good. Um, it was a good Chargers team. Like I like one of the few things I remember from like those Cincinnati di- Cincinnati mm-hmm. days, like Chad Johnson yes. and Carson Palmer, sort of TJ Hoosman's <laughs> Um That team for some reason stands out. Those guys were fun. Why, but the I I was I remember that I played more Madden back then, so I knew <laughs> I knew a little more about the players, but. Yeah, the those 2009 lineups, when you play a particular game enough, those lineups are just burned into your brain. Yeah. Um, well, we have, it's somewhere in this archaic room, those Madden manuals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those really had the... The, uh, the old strategy guides they yeah. put out for like 20 bucks. Yeah, those were fun to read through, and you could learn the rosters really quickly from those. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, the I remember that stuff. I did, the Those Bengals teams were fun. Uh, it always reminds me that we were five seconds from running to Carson Palmer at a restaurant in Whistler in 2008. Yeah. Uh, yeah I missed no, him by true. like five seconds, which that's was true. so I don't know what he was doing there. <laughs> Should have been at training camp, working on his arm strength, but 
We, I remember my dad being like, well, don't tell the Bengals that he's out here skiing. <laughs> they probably aren't going to like that very much. Oh, yeah. Not uh, like his knees were much better yeah, after oh, that. So, you know. It's true. That guy always had bad knees. Um, but, yeah, and I remember, of course, the famous, the Tracy Porter interception to win the uh, win the Super Bowl for New Orleans. Um, pick six is Peyton Manning. And, uh, of course, Brett Favre is famous for blowing this uh, NFC title game. Uh, from Minnesota, and Chris Johnson runs for 2,000 yards a season. That's kind of our main uh, headline. With Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yep, for that Tennessee team. Uh, Yeah, okay, that's another... I remember watching Chris Johnson. Okay. So, yeah, this was... how fast he was. He was freaking... He was unstoppable this season. Speed 99. He was a speed 99, exactly. Elusiveness 99. I wonder how many guys they've given speed 99 over the years. Man, if Michael Vick only had speed 95, then... He only had speed 95. And he was still overpowered. Yeah. I remember Vince Young, he had like speed 89 for a quarterback. I wonder what Lamar has. Ooh, what did they give? I know he's a 99 overall. They give him 99. Year. I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, he's good. Yeah, but the, the, you got that balance issue. You make him too fast, and then you just can't tackle him. Well, and then Madden is just broken in ways where you can just run with the quarterback. Well, not, in the, not in the latest No, games, no, not the last But in, the, in the earlier games, you could just like literally run like, Hail Mary, and then just like roll out and get twenty yards. Yeah, uh, they've they've done a lot to to fix that. Anyways, uh, we'll move away from the video game discussion. That's a separate podcast of its own. Um, and just talk a little bit. We're gonna just hop in the time machine back to the year two thousand nine. Uh, really quick, a couple of the things that were going on in the world in two thousand nine. Um, uh, Joseph, I know you really appreciate this. For twenty six straight weeks in two thousand nine, the number one song in the country was owned by the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, no comment <laughs> big time in popular music no comment what a time to be alive uh unlike drew Brees, black eyed peas are no longer relevant oh and peyton manning's done more all-state commercials than they've had hits i think so or nationwide nationwide yeah come on now come on you're better than that yeah dennis Habert, he's the all-star i'll say yeah, guy. guy um yeah, yeah. so that's uh that's a bit uh Top song during the week of the Super Bowl, the number one song in the country was TikTok by Kesha, if you want to go that far back. Annoying, but not like the Black Eyed Peas annoying. In my opinion. Is, that, is there different scales of annoying? Yeah, like Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl is like all the way on the 10. <laughs> and then like just, see, just seeing Adam Silver <laughs> just in general is like the, the zero. The zero, sense? okay. That's like the annoyingness scale. Got it. Then somewhere is bet- in between is maybe just knowing James Harden has a beard and it's not being cut. <laughs> it's probably like the five. That that annoys you that much? So we got like 10, five, zero. Okay. You kind of understand the spectrum at this point. Well, no, that's important. We got to keep that uh, as we get going because we'll run into plenty of annoying things. So that's our annoying scale. We're it's like a with. player who's kind of good. Like, um, I don't know, somewhere where it's like, they're doing well, but not like really well against your team. If that makes sense. That's that's Adam seeing Adam, Adam Silver just anywhere annoying. That's kind okay. Of All right, it's like a base level of annoyance. Yeah, you're just like, Ugh. like it's more like a disappointment. So it's it's not when the Seahawks play Cam Newton. It's more like when the Seahawks no no play, he's like he's like up to a seven. Right. It's more like when they play Larry Fitzgerald. And you're yeah, just annoyed. You're like, you're like I can respect that, but I'm annoyed right now. <laughs> okay. 
it's a good level i like that yeah. so then where does uh the number one movie in 2009 is of course avatar where does that fall into the annoyance scale i mean that's for me that's pretty high because I mean, it's been you so long go- but probably like let's be honest the graphics were really impressive for that era the special True. effects yeah i'm guessing i'm more mad at it because it gave us that stupid 3d trend for like the next five years till i mean recently yeah, every movie was in 3D. They had the 3D TVs. Don't need that much. 3 It's not really 3D. It's more like just... <laughs> it's fake. Nausea. <laughs> 3D is like an 8 on the annoyance scale. <laughs> just in general, the whole trend. Just imagine 8 Adam Silvers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just canceling all the leagues. <laughs> yeah. He's sure freaking on the golf course. He steals Phil's putter. Freaking <laughs> kicks Tiger in the knee. He's out to get everyone. Taking away all your fun. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on to the actual football. Uh, going into this season, the previous year, Pittsburgh had beaten Arizona in that crazy Super Bowl uh, that had three touchdowns in the last five minutes. Looked Talk like about Arizona a forgotten part. team, that Arizona team. Such a shame. Such a shame. Because, I mean, Kurt Warner throwing to Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald. Those guys were so close to winning a Super Bowl on a couple of different occasions. Yeah. They make the playoffs again this year. They take another run at it, um, but come up a couple games short because New Orleans and Minnesota are just. You know, you've been so playing a long year. time when players start their career and retire during your full career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Tom Brady, for example. Tom Brady. Uh, this is uh, also the year. This is the first time we're playing with the no hitting the quarterbacks below the knees thing because the previous years when Tom Brady got his knee blown out because that guy rolled into his knee. Yeah, and so we've got that rule. Like a quarterback had never hurt their knee before. No, they, it was it was the classic example. They had the Patriots team that was eighteen and one or whatever. Next season, everyone's all pumped, and he blows his knee out in week one, and the NFL goes, "Okay, we don't want the quarterbacks here yeah, anymore." It's such favoritism, the NFL. <laughs> No, what? Never, never. Um, so the those are the going into the season kind of the big things uh, that I wanted to hit on. Also, Terrell Owens is a Buffalo Bill. I did not remember that at all, that he played for the Buffalo Bills. And then he becomes Terrell Ochocinco, right? Oh, no, that's a different player. My bad. <laughs> Might as well be one guy. Uh, so the other big story for this season is Bounty Gate. Which I'm sure you remember at least somewhat, because oh yeah, yeah. After the fact, it was a huge deal, and this NFC Championship game between the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings is basically the Bounty Gate game, right? And uh, Greg Williams is, uh, if you're not familiar with Bounty Gate, Greg Williams is uh, basically setting up bounties on different players that the Saints are playing. Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator for the Saints, and going into that NFC Championship game, he puts, I believe, fifty thousand bucks on Brett Favre's head. If you can knock him out of the game and watching, I, I went back and watched and that they game. threw in a pair of Wranglers jeans. I think <laughs> they're like, you also get a pair, a pair of lifetime Wranglers, lifetime Wranglers. If you can do oh, it. and, uh, and the, the copper tone bracelets, right. Or the, yeah, the, the, sure. the knee things, you know, yeah. he's, he's in, he's in those commercials now too. Um, yeah. And within the first like 20 minutes of that game, Brett Favre's taking like eight or nine, just hard shots after but the, the dude's play. still tanking along <laughs> he took so many hits in that game he's just like wrangler <laughs> real comfortable jeans uh he it's it's crazy that he makes it his way through that game because they beat the crap out of him 
Um, and he takes so many hits, and so many of them are well after the Every one of them, there are seven or eight hits in the first half that today, in today's football, each one of them gets a 15-yard penalty for being a late yeah. hit. Well, I, anything can be a penalty now for anything. It, this this is only 10 years ago, and going like, back and watching some of these games. NFL has become the NBA with just how, like... The the flopping? The flop. Well, yeah, there is flopping, now. It's like, I thought we were, this is the one safe sport. Other than golf, I don't think you can flop in golf. <laughs> I want to see how how could you do that wonder how could you flop in golf we're waiting yeah uh phil show us how um so yeah uh so let's go into some of the things that stand out from the season just as you go through the standings one thing that jumps out really quick san diego chargers are 13 and 3 and you were talking to me joseph you remember the those chargers teams again those are some of the forgotten guys of kind of this era lt I always remember Darren Sproles. I don't know why he's kind of a random player, but I always remember him and Philip Rivers and um, Gates, Antonio Gates, and they yeah, had some good defensive players. Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman. Um, I believe one of the Cromartes played for him for a while. The one that has fourteen kids or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to feel really sad for society watch the highlight clip of him not being able to remember the name of all 14 of his kids well you know he's busy <laughs> um so yeah that that team was fun the they go 13 and 3 this year they're uh the number two seed because the colts go 14 and 2 and then they blow it in the first round of the playoffs the chargers do uh or i should say in the divisional round because rex ryan and his new york jets are hot on their tails the Jets sneak into the playoffs through the tiebreaker. The Jets, Ravens, Steelers, when and Texans. When did the Jets assertively get into the playoffs? <laughs> you said sneak in. It's like, don't they always sneak into the playoffs? <laughs> when was the when last did they ever they... get a bye? When was the last time the Jets won their division? That's a great question. I don't know the answer. You have to go back a couple decades, probably. I, 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 at least. And we're the historians, so we should probably know this. Yeah. But uh, if you know the answer, you're more than welcome to uh, send us a tweet or uh, Instagram message and tell us how we're wrong. Uh, we it's would just like when you're talking it. about a team like, uh, you know, like the Lions. When do the Lions go 14-2? and two? They always sneak their way in. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some of those teams that you're like, when was the last time that you were like, oh, these guys are really good? Do you Even the Jets teams that... You know, they had the two straight teams this year and then the next year, 2009, 2010, they go to the conference championship game both years. They're but kind of like neither the, time. They're kind of like the Mariners of the NFL, <laughs> the Jets a little bit. That's about the worst uh, comparison you could give any team is to call them the Mariners. of. Oh, yeah. But come on. <laughs> uh, we're allowed to. We're here. We're in the Seattle area. We are allowed to, to talk crap about our uh, beloved Mariners, who as of right now uh, are losing 11 to 1 uh, to Houston. So that's that's good, too. Um, but, like a trash can. <laughs> uh, so that year, the Jets and the Ravens and the Steelers and the Texans all go nine and seven. The Steelers are the defending Super Bowl champs. The Jets and the Ravens get in. The Steelers and the Texans do not. This would have been the first playoff appearance for the Texans. Very sad for them. I do want to point out Matt Schaub this year, the Texans quarterback, my guy. Throws for 4,700 yards, leads the league in passing yards, and leads the league in completions, and doesn't get a single MVP vote. Had to sneak into the Pro Bowl as the alternate to Tom Brady. Crying shame, man. I got I to gotta raise one for my boy Matt Schaub. 
I think the fact that he doesn't get any doesn't get remembered at all for this season is just sad. Well, he's Matt Schaub. <laughs> no what, comment. What, what, that's what people say. Oh, it's Matt Schaub. You know, that's just a joke just to say that name. The guy was good. You named after a tire company. You just can't be taken seriously. <laughs> no, it's not even spelled the same. Oh, don't do that to him, man. Come on now. Come on now. You think he hasn't heard that joke I'm before? I'm telling you why. He's a real person. He has feelings, too. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Uh, he's also still playing, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, I thought I think I did. Yeah, because because uh, he Matt Ryan got hurt in a Falcons. How many game busts last have you year? drafted that are Texans? So many. <laughs> are we, Steve Slayton. Oh, are we are we gonna bring up my fantasy draft miss? Uh, you're gonna bring up the fact that I took Matt Schaub in the third round. There's always some dude you reach for in like the second round. Everyone's like, oh, I was looking at them at like the tenth, but all right. You're just like, this dude's gonna be that crazy. Was, oh, that was ten years ago. You gotta, you gotta let that one go, man. Come on now. Just thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out. So the Jets, nine and seven. Then they uh, defeat Cincinnati in the first round of the playoffs because it's Cincinnati, right? It's Marvin Lewis. They're gonna lose in the first round. That's what they do. Nine straight times they've made it to the first round of the playoffs. They've lost, uh, and the Jets pretty much dominate that game. They've got the whole Rex Ryan defense, right? Three, three, five. There's people all over the place blitzing from wherever. Isn't it called the Lipo Blitz, right? Isn't that <laughs> what the defense is called? <laughs> Coach Lipo. There's just it's coming from all sides. <laughs> coming at you from everywhere. He hides the players on the sidelines. You can't see who's coming who's subbing in, who's staying out. That's probably why he hasn't been successful since the surgery. He can't hide the players as well on the sidelines <laughs> before they go in. It's like, who are they summoning in? I don't know. But now it's just like, oh, we can see. (laughs) But he's the analyst now, right? So is that, yeah, he's on ESPN. Is that why Andy Reid's such a good coach? No, no, no. it's called Walrus Power. (laughs) Gosh, get the man some credit. Yeah, Walrus Power. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so that, that Jets team, then they go to the divisional round. They play the Chargers, that poor Chargers team that goes 13 and 3. And then in the first, then the divisional round, they meet the Jets. Nate Cading misses three field goals, and the Jets win sixteen to thirteen, and knock out San Diego. What was really supposed to be their year? That was the last playoff game ever played in San Diego. Wow. And now, now they're in uh, L.A. I think that that's that's just sad to think about. That uh, for one, that like for nine years they didn't host a playoff game after that. Yeah. And now that they stays. play in front of the opposing team's fans <laughs> in L.A. Um, they should move to Las Vegas too. <laughs> Two teams in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know what team doesn't? They should move to Utah, Salt Lake. They got the Utah Jazz. Don't they go there? Like, why does Utah have a team? Can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> It'd be like if Wyoming had a team, like the Genie oh. Chargers. Let's go. <laughs> Wyoming and Utah, I feel like they're different so let's enough. Let's start right? the campaign for the Genie Chargers or the, the Bozeman Montana Chargers. <laughs> you know, Philip Rivers would probably he's not even playing for the Chargers anymore. It's with the Colts, but he probably would fit that aesthetic. Genie Chargers. Know? The Genie Chargers. They I have like, like it. let's a get 15,000 seat stadium. It's just like super tiny. And they they still that they'd have more fans than they do now, probably. Yeah. We need to get that going. Okay, so so hashtag Cheney Chargers. They play, they play at like local high schools and 
<laughs> they just tour Wyoming. They just tour Wyoming. It's like every home game's at a new high school. Because there's probably only six high schools in Wyoming or whatever. So they'll probably like rotate a few of them. Play at middle schools. Whatever. They got to play at the University of Wyoming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamy Stadium, I know is what it's called. Yeah. And uh, and there's your home games. Ice cream socials, the whole thing. They could really do it. Anyways. Uh, you get the, I mean, you can get parent volunteers to run the chains and stuff I for you. I just feel like, I think Utah's probably the, one of the, probably the smallest state with a team, population-wise. Is there more people in Utah or Oregon? Uh, there's more people in Oregon, I believe. Is there? Okay, well, because I'm thinking, you know, Portland is one of the smallest. Because Utah has six electoral votes, Oregon has seven, so. Okay, so there's there's your presidential. Um, but Portland's a real city. Salt Lake's not? I mean, <laughs> I've never talked to anyone who's gone to Salt Lake on purpose, but. <laughs> we also don't know a ton of Mormons, so. Yeah. Um, anyways, we digress. Uh. So this year, also the Colts start the season fourteen and zero. The Saints start thirteen and zero. They both have you know these incredible starts, and then neither team wins in week sixteen or seventeen. So the Colts finish fourteen and two. The Saints finish thirteen and three, kind of back their way in, uh, but they're still the number one seed, which is important because when they meet in that NFC Championship game, uh, the Saints and the Vikings, both teams were thirteen and three, but the Saints, because they beat the Vikings in the regular season, are the home team couple other things a quick shout out to our uh, other younger brother luke who gave me a couple wonderful tidbits including this is the year the lions go two and 14 they went zero and 16 the year before yeah uh and some people they were the browns for a while (laughs) they were yeah and the browns became the new lions yes i think maybe the browns are definitely more the seahawks or the mariners of the nfl yeah they're starting to get better but Except their fans like expect them to be good. It's like when have you ever been good? Yeah, I mean at least they have some sort of championship lineage. Even it's like the fifties. Yeah, know? Mariners lineage is like oh you had a team stolen from you once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when your highlight, you're like the best thing that's ever happened in franchise history happened in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's when it's sad. And it involves the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So, so yeah, yeah, and then the uh, the the St. Louis Rams—they're still St. Louis at this time—went um, one and fifteen, uh, and they went two and fourteen the year before. So they were on a Those real hot stretch. Bad. As well. So we were at, we had a couple of real real good teams uh, at this time. Uh, another great team at this time was our beloved Seahawks. Uh, they went four and twelve, and uh, this was the the year of the Jim Mora experiment. Um, Never liked. No, Jim Moore Jr. Uh, basically had one good year riding Michael Vick to the NFC Championship game. And then... Okay, you can play Madden. Big deal. <laughs> he basically just right-triggered uh, Michael Vick to the NFC it's Championship like, game. like, sprint button now. <laughs> but they had a good running game, too. Yeah, I mean, they had players. That was, I believe, that was the work done uh, TJ Duckett combo yeah. in Atlanta. Um. Which is funny because they bring in Jim Moore Jr. and Jim Moore Jr. actually brought in TJ Duckett. So TJ Duckett was actually a Seahawk this season. Um, yeah, I remember uh, fans people were trying to convince us how great he was and he's going to get all these goal line TDs. And right. This player you should pick up. And then no. Just like, eh. The entire team ran for seven touchdowns that year. Yeah. And I remember them projecting, oh, Duckett might get eight TDs or something. like. Because ridiculous. he's going to get goal line carries. 
And well, we, we got to get to the goal line first. So. We, we have to actually score points for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and you have to not have Seneca Wallace start a couple games. That's that's never good. Do you do you remember Seneca? Oh yeah. There's, um, a, there's a street named after him in Seattle. <laughs> I don't think it's named after Seneca. There's Wallace. Seneca Street though. There right? is a yeah, Seneca Street. Seneca. If you've ever been to Seattle, there's Seneca Street. It's not named after Seneca Wallace. Probably. It's not quite on the same level as like Edgar Martinez Drive. Edgar Martinez Drive. Or they have a new Dan Wilson. Is there a Dan Wilson Street? Yeah. And and then Seneca Wallace Lane. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, so I'm sorry. The Seahawks went five and eleven, not four and twelve. I'm sorry. We're supposed to be the, the experts here. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I thought it was five and eleven. Yeah. Um, but this leads us into. I just want to go to our uh, my favorite segment, a word from Dad. Uh, we talk about the sports opinions of our father. He. Uh, Usually has a very blunt way of going about it. Um, but his thought, I just had dad, 2009 season. That's the, all I have to say is this is the Jim Moore year. And it's a, a year in infamy uh, in Seattle sports culture. And he goes, oh, okay. The, uh, he, the Seahawks were so horrible. He remembers it being the first time in his life where he was actively rooting against the Seahawks so that they would fire Jim Mora. Yeah, you got to do what you got. <laughs> that, and I think, you don't need anything else to uh, to explain. I think those Willingham years for you, Dub, we were like, get that guy lose to get rid of Willingham. And we had, we did deal with him for three whole seasons. He was bad. It's not. Good. Uh, the, yeah. I'm gonna run with Jake Locker. Like again, right trigger. Like <laughs> it's about to become a thing. Bad right coaches, tr- right trigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the, the quick synopsis of a really horrible year for Seattle. But the plus side, as my dad said, was then we got Pete Carroll out of it. Oh, um, yeah. Obviously a bonus. I which, mean, uh, things have been better since then. Uh, I mean, it didn't coincide at all. It just happened that he left USC as soon as investigation started. What a crazy coincidence. And as soon as the Seahawks job opened up. Yeah, just crazy timing. Um, Life's cool thing, huh? <laughs> crazy how things work out yeah. sometimes. Um, so and going through, so Peyton Manning's the MVP this year. Uh, as he should be. Chicken parm all the way. <laughs> and uh, gets pretty much all the votes. Uh, Brett Favre gets one MVP vote. I would argue Favre and Breeze both deserve to have to be closer to winning the MVP this year. Um, I mean, obviously, Manny has a lot of love, and he put up really good numbers uh, that year, throwing for 4,500 yards, 33 touchdowns. I mean, he's a, that's a great season. Uh, that's a stock. Stock Manny like, season. Uh, you know, when you're playing NFL board game, that's that's like the first space. That's like the ghost space for Peyton Manning. Just still good. Well, I mean, we we kind of maybe we bl- we don't blink as much at forty five hundred yards now in twenty twenty, but in two thousand nine, you know, you only had maybe seven or eight guys who were clearing four thousand. It yards seems like passing. everyone, their grandma's throwing forty five hundred. Yeah, yards. it's just like, are you Jameis Winston status with the thirty <laughs> picks or something? Well, you know who gave Jameis a run for his money in two thousand nine? Okay, two thousand nine. Um. Quiz. We had too many starters, so 
Was yeah. Fitzpatrick playing that time? I, he was, but that's that's not who it not is. who I'm okay. talking about. But uh, it's another. It's a it's a gunslinger. Give me the division. Uh, oh, was it Jay Cutler? Yes. yes. Okay, that gunslinger that was automatic. <laughs> Twenty six interceptions for Jay Cutler in uh, in 2009, which that's that's impressive. That takes a lot of work and dedication. Yeah, you gotta. Um, he also threw for uh, 27 touchdowns, so he had more touchdowns than picks. Um, playing for Chicago, I believe it was his first year in Chicago that year. Um, Brett Favre throws at whatever ancient age he was at, 39 years old. Um, throws for 4,200 yards and 33 touchdowns. That I mean, that's it's that's a, great a crazy season as well. For that age. You know? Yep. And I just want to point out that 4,700 yards and 29 touchdowns for Matt Schaub. And not a single MVP vote. And I think that's a crying shame. Um, Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, Tony Romo also had probably his best season. He threw for 4,400 yards and 26 touchdowns with only nine interceptions. And opened a restaurant with his name. So, I mean, you can't, can't discount that. Uh, I think those had kind of closed down by 2009. Were they done by 2009? It was right around then. Because 2008 was the whole like economic collapse and all that. So, right around then, I he think. He ruined Tony Romo's. And that's probably why he started playing better. He had time to focus on only there football. Wasn't at, with Jessica Simpson at the rib shack. <laughs> this was right around the time he was dating Jessica Simpson, though. And we heard about that nonstop. Um, well, when Troy Aikman gets jealous, Troy Aikman gets jealous. What are you going to say? Uh, the, uh, one, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about briefly was one of the big things that, you know, why are the Saints so good this year, right? Is they ran a spooky spread offense. Like peanut butter when you spread it on some bread? Like, what are they talking about here? In 2009, it was this huge thing. The Saints run a spread, man. They have, like, multiple receivers on the field. They go out of the shotgun, like, all the time. And they just throw it all over the place. Of course, everyone now basically everyone other than the Seahawks runs a spread offense. Import Chip Kelly laughing meme somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't like a spread option offense. But, I mean, it was they were running the spread. And it wasn't until 2012 that people started doing the read option, but they ran a spread offense, and it was like the most shocking thing anybody had seen um, that they would basically. I feel like Sean Payton was just like in Louisiana and just probably saw some like random youth football league with some like wild coach running five wide receivers or something. He's just like, dude, we got to do this and put prices on the head of players to get them hit. Like that came at the same time. Exactly. Um, he ends up getting suspended for the next season once they find out about the bounty, the bounty gate thing. He's chilling at home. He's like, good. <laughs> I got my ring. Take a year off, man. Um, yeah. So that's uh, he gets a worse gets a worse treatment than the Astros. Like, okay, if that was the if that translate like how the MLB treated the Astros, to then they they go to Sean Payton to be like, okay, the players need to return the money. That that'd be that'd be about the similar and uh, payback there. Right. And you need to say you're sorry, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You need to say you're sorry. The players don't. That's kind of what happened. With the, that's like the same thing as the Astros thing. I'm not sorry I got paid. They paid me. I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to hit Brett I couldn't betray their trust. It's all Sean Payton's fault. Uh, it, yes. Um, again, our rants about the Houston Astros, probably a separate podcast. The other thing I want to talk about is another guy that didn't receive MV, any MVP votes is Chris Johnson, which I think is a crying shame. Uh, the guy ran for over 2,000 yards. I believe it's ranked four, either fourth or fifth all-time uh, in rushing yards in a season. 
Well, I think they've done the study on that. So, like, the longer your hair is at running back, the more <laughs> yards you run for. Or the harder you hit. Look at Troy Polamalu. Look at Chris Johnson. They did the research. Yes, it was definitely the dreads. Direct correlation. <laughs> um, But, I mean, in terms of the, like, the great... It's so tough to... When you look at the all-time guys that have 2,000-yard seasons, right? Adrian Peterson had a 2,000-yard season. You look at guys, uh, Eric Dickerson had a 2,000-yard season. O.J. Simpson had a 2,000-yard season. Uh, some of the, the all-time great guys have had 2,000-yard seasons. Chris Johnson doesn't fit in that all-time great category. It would be something I'd expect from, like, uh, oh, Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. Or, 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 like, um, Emmett Smith. Sure. Or LT, like, right? Or LT, LT never had a 2,000-yard season. Someone like that. Like, oh, of course they had a 2,000-yard season, but not. Or but, even or even Sean Alexander or someone like that. Right. But, yeah, but not, not those. But Chris Johnson, like, you know, so it's tough to figure out where do you put him in the all-time pantheon. Yeah, I would even believe Marshawn. <laughs> I'm, like, if I saw that stat block, I'm like, okay, maybe he did run for 2,000 yards. I just missed it. But you you like you have a hard time convincing yourself that Chris Johnson actually did that because he really didn't have, you know, that big of a career outside of that season. It was just a unique combination of speed and the right system at that point in time. Yeah, that's true. And and that that uh And that was and that was sort of you're beginning to see this shift to like bigger defenders. But I think most defenders were, they're still on the smaller side. Like the corners were like Champ Bailey. Like those true. Those guys were kind of like the yeah. big corners at the time. Right. So Richard like, Sherman was not playing. It's like if you're small, yet. you better be as fast as the fastest guys. And if you're not, then you're just going to get run all over. Like if you're big, yeah, you're not as fast, but like you can make up for it maybe with some size. Yeah. So no, it's true. I mean, and you, so you got a guy running a four, two, three, forty, um, and nobody could catch him. Uh, I'm looking, and one thing that's interesting looking at his career A, he only played for nine seasons. Um, this was his second season. So he's only 23, 24 years old, very, completely healthy, completely fresh. And because of that, he has that spark and that jump. So he runs for 2006 yards. The previous year, he ran for 1228. The next year, he runs for 1364 and has three more thousand yard seasons for Tennessee, but never comes even close to that 2000 yard mark again. Um, you have a special season. I mean, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, he also caught uh, 50 passes that year too for another 500 yards. So that was that's a year to have him in fantasy football for sure. That that Titans team that year started 0 and 6 with uh, Kerry Collins at quarterback. They went back to Vince Young and then actually got red hot and I believe finished uh, either seven and nine or eight and eight uh, that season, which nobody saw coming. Um. Uh, eight and eight. So it started zero and six, finished eight and eight. With uh, Vince Chris Young Johnson is a classic that. example of Madden cover curse. Oh no, that's that's SI curse. Yeah, but still, he was on the cover for the two thousand eight Madden game. Yeah, and then just like three years, it was like he's a freaking like water boy for Texas or something, you know, again or whatever. Right, I, I don't remember. It's almost the Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis is is the worst. But. <laughs> can't believe that give us a good white guy at least give us a white guy on the cover give us peyton manning or something he's been he's been on there peyton, peyton been on freaking there. hillis 
remember that. <laughs> Give us the McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah where's, where's McCaffrey? McCaffrey? There or you go. Um, Julian Edelman. Brady has Brady been on? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What year is Brady on? Uh, it was just a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, we've I've, had Gron- Gronk's been on there too. I've really lost track since like the 2011 game. Basically, I'm since- a little sketchier on him. Ever since they did the one where like Larry Fitzgerald and Paul Amalo, I think we're both on it or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, okay. Yeah, where the Wii version was a complete joke. <laughs> that Wii version was bad. We uh we had we had a Nintendo Wii in our house and we we were playing trying to play the Wii match. We played the crap out of that was it NCAA twenty ten. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game wasn't even that good. It was fun for some reason and we played the crap out of that game. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um uh so, so move it so again, one thing I wanted to talk about was just the, the biggest surprises I had from going back and watching some of this. We have stuff. a David Tyree award coming up. Yes, we do. Uh, let's, let's do, do that. that. Let's, let's do, do that. okay. So, so our next thing, thing is the David Tyree Award, which is the the Who is, is that guy, guy Award, right? The guy that plays a huge role uh, in the big game or one of the big games, and uh, because of that, you know, you're like, where the heck did this come from? And of course, it's named after David Tyree, um, who I mean, he's the all timer of never. You're never gonna hear about him if it wasn't for that one play for the helmet catch against New England. Uh, our David Tyree Award winner this time around is Tracy Porter. Tracy Porter has the famous interception, right? The pick six uh, to basically win the Super Bowl. The Colts are down 23-17. Drive down to the 30-yard line in New Orleans. Tracy Porter with the pick six to win the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's what one. what's really interesting is not only did he do that, he also intercepted Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game, the pick at the end of the game, to keep the Vikings from kicking the game-winning field goal. And he caused a fumble in the fourth quarter of that game. So the guy not only won the NFC Championship game for him, then he won the Super Bowl for him. And he only played uh, for seven seasons, never made a Pro Bowl, never, I mean, never did anything of mention really outside of that season where he had those those two big plays. Um, and so that uh, that makes him this episode. Tracy Porter. Tracy Porter. Does it ring a bell? Exactly. But he's he's maybe the most important player in that. That's where if you're in those areas, you probably remember him. Oh yeah, I mean he's a legend in New Orleans, right? But outside of it's just like who? Well yeah, and I mean who? every every area has those guys, yeah. right? You know, I mean I'm trying to think. Like, I'm guaranteeing no one knows who Lofa de Tupu is. If you know. <laughs> but, exactly. But if Lofa de Tupu walks into a bar, like everyone's getting him. A or like guy. Nate Burleson, like who was Nate Burleson? Right, Bobby Ingram shows up like he was a decent receiver with the bears before yeah that's true or maybe that was daryl jackson oh. no, no 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 it was ingram it was ingram oh. yeah yeah um i'm just trying to think who like those specific you know those guys that are specific to an area tracy porter's up there um so yeah so that's uh th- that was some of the interesting stuff looking at tracy porter he also actually had a pick six of chad henny in week seven to win a game in that season. Chad Henney. <laughs> so I, I had to write that down just to get a Chad Henney mention in there. Man, all the players. <laughs> the, uh, that great Miami Dolphins team with the quarterback battle between Chad Henney and Cleo Lemon. Oh, my gosh. Cleo Lemon. <laughs> he was from Oregon? I don't remember where Cleo Lemon played college football. Just so. remember that name. <laughs> 
What a legend. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our David Tyree Award winner. Um, the also one thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, and it kind of bleeds into that year's NFL draft, was Mark Sanchez. <laughs> Let's talk about Mark Sanchez for a second. The long line of failed USC quarterbacks. Yes, basically. It's a tradition, <laughs> like any other. The Masters on CBS. No. Oh, I don't know. You just said CBS on the podcast, and the Ma- I think the Masters is is trademarked. We're probably gonna get sued now. Good. good. Um, any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, so Mark Sanchez that year uh, gets drafted the quarterback for the Jets, and what was crazy going back and watching, I was watching the NFL Network highlight clips of these playoff games and stuff, and it's just an assumption Mark Sanchez is the next star in the NFL. Because well, yeah. he's a rookie, rookie quarterback, quarterback leading his team through the playoffs. I get him and who's the next guy? Darnold, well, Matt Leinart? No, Darnold. There's someone in between there, wasn't there? Uh, uh yeah, Castle. Castle. Well, you had Castle. You had John David Booty. You had a lot of guys in between. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh, Matt Barkley. Okay, Matt Barkley was who Is I was that- thinking. <laughs> him and Mark Sanchez run together for me. Mark Sanchez, uh, for two years, it's like, this guy's going to be one of the next great quarterbacks. He's playing in New York. He's leading the Jets to the AFC Championship game. This guy's incredible. I mean, he's basically the next Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> and it's just funny how wrong everybody was and how much he was just propped up by a great defense and a strong running game with Thomas Jones. Um, and they just basically leaned on that. And he hadn't done the butt fumble yet. So so he still had his reputation intact. Um, the what? The butt fumble. You don't know the butt fumble? One of the most... You're going to have to look it up after this. It's one of the most infamous plays of all time. It was when the Jets were really, really bad, maybe 2011 or 2012, and he he misses the handoff, turns the wrong way on the handoff, right? Every quarterback's been there before. No running backs there. Turns around to try to run and runs directly into the rear end of his guard, falls back, fumbles the football. The Patriots pick it up, run it back for a touchdown. That's the Jets in a nutshell. <laughs> Jets in a nutshell. That's their whole franchise right there. You want to talk about something that's very Mariners-esque. Um, it's doing that. So, uh, but what was interesting is looking back at that year's draft, Matthew Stafford goes number one, right? Which is like, okay, good pick, right? I, you know, yeah. th- that works. My man, Matthew Stafford. The Jets traded up to number five to take Mark Sanchez. Oh, yeah. That's like a good decision. <laughs> they didn't. He didn't just fall to them. They went out of their way to go get Mark Sanchez. My man, Charlie. Sun- oh, Charlie Sunday wasn't the coach at that time when he drafted Stafford. But my man, Charlie Sunday benefited. From- that's uh, that's Matt Patricia, right? That- His name is Charlie Sunday. <laughs> um, no, I believe he was uh, still a coach for uh, New England at that time. Um, He's an assistant. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's where he came from. Charlie Sunday. He's one of my favorite coaches. <laughs> he's he's not. He's probably only got one year left in Detroit. <laughs> what? He's probably done after this year in Detroit. Not if they turn it around. Charlie <laughs> Sunday's got it. He's got the spark. Um. Yeah. So some other guys that get drafted in this draft. Uh, B.J. Raji. Remember. You will remember B.J. Raji. Is he the second Arab player ever drafted? No, he's, he's, he's African-American. Oh, okay. 
as the rather large guy in the Aaron Rodgers discount double check commercials, the large African American guy who. Oh, okay. Yes. Those are older ones. Yeah, he's a defensive tackle known for being quite big. Okay. Um, Percy Harvin was okay. drafted. Yeah. Clay Matthews was in this mm-hmm. draft. Um, between B.J. Rodgers and Clay Matthews, a long uh, history of commercials. Um, guys that were undrafted in this draft: Graham Gano, the kicker. No went undrafted. Okay. Arian Foster went undrafted. And Michael Bennett went undrafted. Crazy. Yeah. The, a lot of good undrafted The human stars. offside penalty, Michael Bennett. Man, so many offsides. Uh, the one other interesting thing from this draft was uh, the trade between Denver and Chicago for Kyle Orton for Jake. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no one wins. No one wins. <laughs> I, I like to imagine that... In both Denver and Chicago, in these offices, these GMs were like, yes, I schooled them. I got him to give me Kyle Orton. I got him to give me Jay Cutler. And we have this quarterback who sucks as the other guy. And then they both get the other guy. And it's like, oh, wait. They're just like a, a practical joke. They're like, well, this will make our fans think we'll be better. But really, we're just swapping bad quarterbacks. And, and so, so it was just two years later that Kyle Orton gets benched for Tim Tebow, and we get the fun Tim Tebow mm-hmm. year, um, which, uh, of course, should have lasted a lot longer than just one year. Again, that's a whole other podcast. Um, so that's, that is that is most of what we've got here. Uh, a couple of other things that were quite jarring to me was watching Phil Sims as the analyst on the CBS games. Uh, and not, you know, he's only been out a couple of years, and Tony Romo's only been in at CBS for, I think, three years now. But uh, still, hearing Phil Simms call games is almost as mind-numbing as hearing Joe Buck call games. Uh, we got to have a whole segment on Joe Buck. <laughs> well, I mean, him and Troy Aikman uh, don't do this Super At least Bowl. it's not John Smoltz, okay? <laughs> I can take that. Is there... Who's worse? Buck or Smoltz? Yeah. Well, it depends on what they're casting. If it's baseball, Smoltz is worse. If it's football, Buck is worse. Buck is worse? Yeah. And is Smoltz worse than Aikman? Yes. Aikman is better than both. Okay. <laughs> Not that that's saying a lot. No. No. Oh, like... So, so on the annoying, yeah, the annoying scale, the annoying scale? Um, Aikman's about a three or two. Okay. Not... I've gotten used to him at this point. Buck's like a seven. John Smoltz's like a 25. <laughs> Just... Do you want to, you know what the floor is yours this is a football podcast but go ahead give us a 30 second rant on John Smoltz. No well, like I'm just trying to find it on the annoying scale. Like what was it 10 again? Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So like 2.5 times that. Yeah, I mean or also just anytime the Red Sox are good may also be up there. Um well, I mean anytime the Yankees are good, right? Anytime the Yankees are good. I don't know, I've warmed to the Yankees a little bit. Okay. All um, right. You like Aaron Judge. Still not really a fan. Eh, I like all my favorite players end up playing for the Yankees. Sonny Gray, oldest Chapman. Like, man, just imagine like one John Smoltz equals 25 Adam Silvers. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> is that the ratio? Yeah. <laughs> or is it more logarithmic? So it's like, so it's like uh, John Smoltz is like X to the 25th power Adam Silvers. Like, is it get like more exponential? I haven't thought about like the mathematical concepts behind the annoyance scale yet. We'll, I'll have to come we'll, back with some calculations. We'll, we'll but, uh, better. 
Yeah. Anything okay. raised to the Adam Silvereth power is just gonna be annoying. <laughs> um. Yeah. So there you go. Uh. The we'll we'll uh, be released on our social media. We'll have a nice. We'll have a graph and everyone. Uh, yeah, we, yeah it's scale. important to understand the the math and the science behind the annoyance scale. Um, for example, Jim Moore Jr. is the coach of the Seahawks. It's about a two. It's about. I was gonna say two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, those are the 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 main things I wanted to talk about. Um, teams that again that really stand out. The the Chargers teams from this time. The Bengals teams from this time. Those teams were fun. Uh. The wild card round features one of the couple of the craziest things. One, the Ravens go up 24 0 in the first quarter against New England. This was before last season. I want to say I remember that because I'm, I'm a Ravens fan. Yeah, I'm sure you were going crazy. You would have been 11? Yeah, you've been losing your mind. That was Ray Rice, Joe Flacco. They were all there. The whole gang was there. Ray Lewis was still there. Um, and that team goes up 24 0 in the first quarter, blows out the Pats. It was the last time the Pats had lost in the first round of the playoffs until last season. Um, it was so it was crazy to see New England get blown out like that. Also, the one of the craziest playoff games that no one ever talks about. Arizona beats Green Bay fifty-one to forty-five in overtime in the wild card round. Right, I remember there's like nine hundred yards passing all over the place. Kurt Warner and Aaron Rodgers are dueling, and then the game ends on a walk-off fumble. Aaron Rodgers gets strip sacked. Arizona picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown to win the game. Uh, but both Fitzgerald and Bolden had like one hundred and fifty yards each. Um, Donald Driver had two touchdowns for Green Bay. Donald Driver. <laughs> that was so. Donald Driver and Greg Jennings on that Green Bay team. Some, some targets. Yeah. Uh, and then I just want to talk about briefly the fam- the infamous conference championship game. So the Saints are playing the Vikings. Winner goes to the Super Bowl. Minnesota dominates this game. They f- but they have four fumbles and an interception, and it allows New Orleans to stick around. New Orleans does a great job in the second quarter, both in this conference championship game and in the Super Bowl, of stalling the other team's offense, keeping them off the field in the second quarter, ball control, running the ball, and they do an excellent job of it. And then they're able to stick around and then make plays late. But Minnesota, who I think was the better team all season, they're running, they got Adrian Peterson, Brett Harvest throwing to Percy Harvin, Sidney Rice, um... Which was a pretty loaded uh, receiver group, and then on defense they had the Williams uh, brother uh, Kevin and Pat Williams at defensive tackle, Jared Allen at defensive end, Harrison Bars playing linebacker. This team was loaded. Um, the Vikings get the ball, tie game late, and this is where everyone remembers Brett Favre throws the interception back across the middle, forces the game to overtime. New Orleans gets the ball first, wins the game. What don't what people don't remember is Minnesota blew that whole series. They have the ball in the 33 with a minute and a half left. New Orleans takes their last time out. They run the ball once. They run the ball twice. They've got it down to about 25 seconds, and it's a 50-yard field goal. And then they take a timeout with 19 seconds left. Right. I think I remember this now. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. Why are you leaving time on the clock? But then they... So they take an actual timeout. Everyone goes over to the sideline. And then they get a delay of game penalty out right. of a timeout. Which, I don't know, how do you get a delay of game out of the timeout? That's like Mariners style of No, not <laughs> Seahawks love to do that too. Well, yeah, I mean, that's basically how uh, 
uh, we made. Ever watch a Seahawks game? There's always one possession where just Russell's just like, oh frick, there's a play clock, and they call a timeout. Like every game, that first, that first, that first quarter yeah. timeout is a, is like, a tradition. It's like second and seven, and they're just like. He does the whole. He does the, the hand above the head as the snaps coming. Yeah, thing. Like, why was there? Why were we so lost? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then they get the penalty, and it pushes it back to where instead of a fifty-yard field goal, now be uh, a fifty-five-yard field goal, and suddenly that's completely different. So now they try to pass the ball to gain the yardage back, and Favre could have ran it. He throws it instead. Throws the pick. So that play, but the whole management of that entire situation Awful. was blown by Minnesota. And that's a point that I wanted to make. And uh, that whole game, they had several opportunities. They fumbled right before the end of the half down near the goal line. They scored a touchdown there. Really a lot of opportunities to win that game. Those things add up in a big through. game like that against another good team. Exactly. Make mistakes like that. And similarly, then in the Super Bowl, Indianapolis controlled that game. I, I'm watching this game, and I know Indianapolis wins. I was watching this game a couple weeks ago. But you still think the whole time the Colts are going to win until Manning throws the interception. And then That was pretty Portia, shocking when that happened. Well, yeah, because you figure Manning's the best, he's the greatest, and you know he's going he's gonna to take him down there and win this game. And it's a total choke. This is an absolute choke job on his part. Kind of uncommon for... I mean, maybe not that uncommon for Super Bowls considering what's happened, but... Yeah, um, it's not quite as bad as interception as a certain interception that will not be named, but it's still it's still pretty. I know, bad. He had plenty of those in the 2014 Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. So that, uh, but it was again interesting. The Saints employed basically the same strategy, in terms of I think Peyton Manning ran six plays in the second quarter. They really frustrated him. They kept him off the field, slowed the game down. They were down, I believe, 13-6 to six at the half. They used the onside kick to grab some momentum. And then the whole second half, again, Peyton Manning doesn't get the ball a whole lot. And because of that, they're able to take control. Um, they're running the ball well. Uh, Pierre Thomas is in that backfield. He does a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, Reggie Bush is playing, right? And that was fun to watch. Um, so, yeah. that's uh, And then the Colts actually still had a chance at the end of this game to come back. Um and came up just short. So uh, this was a, this was a closer game than the score shows, and was actually a, a very fun Super Bowl to watch. Um, so uh, there you go. That's pretty much that's all we've got. Unless you've got anything else, Joseph. I think we covered literally everything. Great. Well, we thank you very much for listening. Uh, follow us at Sports Historians on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, hit us up. We're looking for subscriptions. Clout. 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 Clout for uh, the content. We're on all your different platforms. Uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iPod, uh, Apple Store, whatever, iMusic, whatever it is. Content. Um, iTunes, there we go. Uh, we're, in, we're in all the places. Hit us with a five-star review, pretty please. And uh, we're very excited to hear from you guys. If you have seasons you want us to do, anything like that, uh, suggestions for things we should talk about let us know um you got anything else joseph thank you for listening if you made it this far <laughs> congratulations thank you very much and uh we will be back next time with the 1999 nba season that should be a lot of fun and uh until then we will uh see you next time